It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ennis Kantra can finally travel to Canada. Taco Fall conducts the Boston Pops, and I have an extended conversation with Sean Woodley of Locked On Raptors previewing the Christmas Day game. It's the Tuesday Locked On Celtics. Millie's, let's go! Crowd goes crazy, most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talk about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's is the best way. Melly. What a Monday night the Boston Celtics when they didn't even play, but Ennis Cantor had an international incident kind of resolved, and I got to see Taco Fall conduct the Boston Pops. I'm John Corrales of MassLive.com. Coming up, a very long conversation, like a half-hour conversation with me and Sean Woodley, kind of previewing the Celtics-Raptors game on Christmas Day. Uh, I'm not 100% sure that I'm going to do a podcast for Wednesday, so this may serve as the podcast leading into that, and then maybe a reaction to the game on Thursday. It's Christmas week. For those of you who aren't celebrating Christmas, uh, it's just a regular week, I suppose. Those of you um, who are, then you understand that lots of family commitments and whatever. Uh, I will take a moment to say that the holidays are tough on a lot of people, And this is a very difficult time of year for people who are suffering from mental health issues. So uh, the greatest gift that you can give to some people is just asking how they're doing. So if you have this opportunity to talk to some friends, maybe people you haven't talked to in a little while, go ahead and just ask, how you doing? And you never know what kind of answer you might get and And maybe somebody really needs to have that question asked. So it's not something people think about at this time of year with the holidays, but it can be a very dark time for people. So take, take a moment and, and ask people how they're doing. Check on your friends, check on your relatives. Um, like I said, it's the greatest gift you might be able to give them. So please do that. It's an important thing to do. In the meantime, let's talk a little bit of basketball here before I get into the the conversation I had already earlier with um, Sean Woodley. The, uh, the the only news really out of Monday was that uh, Ennis Cantor was cleared by the country of Canada to travel to Toronto safely. It's kind of wild that safely is not necessarily something that could happen when Ennis Ennis Cantor travels, but he can now safely travel to Toronto, get there, come back without worrying about being arrested, without worrying about other things. Um, he, he's able to go play basketball. Uh, it's an important thing and it's an important reminder of how different life is for him. You know, a lot of people give him a lot of shit, but there's there's a lot that he's dealing with. And um, 
you know, I'm glad that he can do this. Now, whether he actually plays or not, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, you'll hear in the conversation that I have with Sean Woodley about how the Raptors are running their offense. They don't have Pascal Siakam. They don't have Marcus Saul. They don't have Norm Powell. They're very decimated by injuries. And the only thing that they can do right now is run pick and roll with Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet. And defending the pick and roll is not exactly Dennis Cantor's strong suit. So he gets to travel to Canada. Does he get to play in Canada? We'll see. Uh, maybe they'll try him and see if, if it can work. But uh, maybe that experiment will go poorly. I, I, I don't know. But when the other team's plan of attack is to pick and roll uh, incessantly, I'm not sure that Ennis Cantor is going to get the opportunity to play in Canada. <laughs> maybe he's just going to be more of a visitor. But uh, I joke, but the serious nature of, of all of this uh, worth noting that it's it's just great for Cantor to be able to get there and to play uh, basketball. The other thing that happened on Monday, really the most important thing that happened in the entire world. I don't know what happened in the entire world, but I can't imagine anything more important than Taco Fall conducting the Boston Pops. I mean, that was epic. That was awesome. Uh, it was... Fun to see Taco Fall out there. He is thoroughly enjoying his NBA life. It has been crazy for him to go from Senegal to UCF to have the college career that he did, which was, you know, not spectacular. And then the draft to the NBA, going to summer league, all of that stuff, and and the chance and everything. It's just been so crazy. I try to find a non-cliche way to talk about how he's how his life is going in the NBA. I don't have it. It's it's just a whirlwind and he seems to be handling it extraordinarily well. Go to masslive.com/celtics to see the video that I shot of Taco Fall conducting the Boston Pops. It is fun, it's funny. He really enjoys it. He's living it up. He's hamming it up. He's a seven and a half foot tall dude in a custom made tuxedo or whatever the hell you call that tails tailcoat thing that he was wearing. Um, but it was fun, uh, and and he seemed to have a lot of fun with it. And the pops, pops, just a fun night. Um, they do a great job. So. Go ahead and check out my story on masslive.com slash Celtics. And just another chapter in the legend of Taco Fall. It's awesome. When we come back, it's my conversation. Me and Sean Woodley. You'll actually hear Sean introduce it because he's running this. That conversation is part of the Locked On Raptors podcast. We figure, what the hell? Let Sean go first, man. We're being polite. Toronto's the home team. Let the home team go first, right? And uh, it, it was a fun half-hour conversation. So that's coming up in the next two segments, and I'll be back at the end to wrap up the show. Stick around for more Locked On Celtics next. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. 
The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, it's Sean Woodley here from Locked On Raptors, joined for a Christmas Day preview of the very first game on the holiday schedule. It is John Corrales from Boston Celtics, from Locked On Celtics, not the Boston Celtics themselves. You don't play for the Celtics, right, John? Nah, I wish. Make a little bit more money than what I'm making now. (laughs) I'm happy to sit at the end of the bench, you know, two-way deal, 10-day. Well, you know, whatever. We're getting healthy. I've always maintained. Yeah. Yeah. I've always maintained that the best job in the world is like seventh reliever or like third string utility infielder or 15th man on an NBA roster. You get paid like an NBA player, but you don't have to do any of the work. It rules. Yeah. Yeah. You get Um, good exercise. You get, you know, hang out with the guys. (laughs) Kemba Walker buys you an Xbox. It's awesome. (laughs) You get to eat all the locker room spreads, which is pretty pretty much the only thing. I want to be an NBA player for because it seems pretty good. Um, we're not here to talk about our failed athletic careers, though, John. We're here to talk about the Christmas game between the Raptors and the Celtics. No, I want to talk about uh, the locker room spreads. Those are, that's a lot more fun. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, we, we've probably done entire episodes of Locked on Raptors about about the locker room food at some point. If I recall, we do a lot of weird stuff over there. Um, but we're not going to get super weird today. We're just going to talk about these two teams who are taking each other on. Toronto. Toronto and Boston in Toronto at noon Eastern on Wednesday, Christmas Day. Uh, the first Raptors Christmas game in a very long time. I think they played one on the road in like 2001 when Vince, when Vince Carter was on the team and have not since. The Celtics seemingly play every single year. Uh, so my first question to you, John, is do you like when the team that you support and or cover plays on Christmas? I think it's stupid and I don't, <laughs> I'm not necessarily like thrilled about it. I'm not covering the game, um, because I just, I couldn't do that, but. But, uh, you know, what is your, your thought on having the Celtics involved in Christmas festivities all the time? Because I have many problems with it. I, I don't have quite the same vitriol for it. Um, maybe because my feelings on the holiday itself have evolved over the course of the, of time. <laughs> um, so it's like anything that can just like 
pull me away. Give me an excuse. Like, oh, I can't come to Christmas because I have to work. I'm <laughs> sorry. Like, for that, I'm thankful. Um, I, I never really minded it, though. I always thought that Christmas was... Uh, a great opportunity to see these guys um, and to have families watch these guys. I, I think that Christmas Day games are where lifelong fans can be made because that's the one time where you have a real possibility of, hey, yeah, me and my dad and my brother or sister or mom, we'd sit there and watch the Celtics play on Christmas Day. And it was so, you know, whatever, like that type of moment where – you have that that one kind of uniting factor where everybody's watching the game and and everybody's cheering for a team and and maybe some of the kids start to become like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown fans and, and they start to build that fandom. So I always looked at uh, I looked at it things from that way. So I, I like I like the Christmas Day games. Well, look at you just converting me with the wholesome talk of family <laughs> and stuff. I, I have that, a tendency honestly, to skew yeah. positive on a lot of things, so I find silver linings <laughs> in everything. Well, so you make a good point, and that is the one thing. And look, I, I'm not going to going to the game. My purpose isn't being derailed at all, and I, mostly my issue with it is like, I don't know, it feels kind of weird to make people travel to go yes. play in a, yes. in a different city. City when they have kids and stuff like that. Uh, I'm glad the Raptors are hosting this game. And, you know, they, a lot of them have young kids. So it would have been kind of a bummer to see them have to travel. Can so I that's the, the part that I love. Yeah. Red Arback always used to say that mm-hmm. he wanted the Celtics to be on the road for Christmas because he wanted to have <laughs> the, the Boston Garden staff. It's actually a nice story. He, he wanted the Boston Garden staff to not have to work on Christmas. So he always wanted the Celtics to be on the road. So there's, there's that, something yeah. to that. So. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to like, I can sit there and say what I said. And, you know, these guys, Jason Tatum was just talking about Christmas and, and how it's like an honor. They see this as a thing, like a, a real big deal to be playing on Christmas. It's a marquee game, but it doesn't mm-hmm. say it, it. You don't really think about, well, there are ushers who are getting paid minimum wage who have to be there and stand there all Christmas when those are the people that really, really want to have a Christmas at home, you know, the people who are working the concession stands and the security people and the people who are just making the grind day to day. Um, and that's, that's where you can have like the, you know, Christmas can be a little bit tough on the people who are working those games. Yeah, that's, uh, that's basically my whole gripe with it. But the way you described the, the family element of it, and I, I, I got a bit of a taste of this on Sunday. I was at a family gathering, um, ahead of the holidays, and the Raptors 30 point comeback against the Mavs was on. And by the end of that game, everyone in the room, including the small children, were deeply, deeply into it. So that is an exciting thing. And I am excited to watch with all of my freshly converted Raptors uh, <laughs> fan people in my in my family who really got on last year when they won the title. That is going to be fun. So I do look forward to that. So I'll stop being a Grinch about it now and I'll enjoy it for what it is. And look, Raptors fans have been waiting for a Christmas game for a very, very long time. So I'm glad that it, it's finally come to pass. Although, of course, after waiting for 18 years for a Christmas game, the Raptors were always going to be horribly injured for their very first one <laughs> in a long time, uh, which happens to be the case for the Raptors right now. They are missing Marcus Gasol, Pascal Siakam, and Norman Powell, who are all out for an indefinite period of time with various different maladies. There's a hamstring for Gasol, a groin injury for Pascal Siakam, and a shoulder injury for Norman Powell, which does not seem 
Uh, like he's gonna be back anytime soon. None of these guys are gonna be back anytime soon. It seems soon. It seems that was a tongue twister. Um, and so we go into this game here on Wednesday with the Celtics and Raptors squaring off and. It's not really a fair fight in terms of health and guys who are available. I know the Celtics have had their own injury issues this season, and Marcus Smart, I believe, is still out of the lineup, correct? That, Am I correct to say that? That is correct. Um, yeah, but, you know, the, the Raptors, as as inspiring as their win over the Mavs was on Sunday and as scrappy and weird and janky as they've been on defense, I'm not expecting this really to be a matchup where they can hang tight with, with the Celtics all day long unless things get super weird like they did against uh, Dallas. But I don't know, John, looking at this game, you were tweeting just before coming on here about how things are lining up pretty well for the Celtics, and I kind of have to agree this matchup seems pretty tough for the Raptors, and if I'm picking who's going to win, I'm probably leaning towards Boston as of right now. Uh, I would say so. First of all, if if you're the Grinch, then that makes me Cindy Lou Who, which uh, I'm not 100% sure I'm ready for that role. But um, We need someone to do a, a Photoshop of that, please. That uh, <laughs> I can get it so I can see it. <laughs> that, would be, that would be awesome. Um, yeah, the things things have worked out. I mean, obviously, you have to preface it by saying we prefer not to have any injuries. Injuries are the worst, but they happen. And for the Celtics, they've just, they're starting to get healthy. And we know how it is with injuries here. Gordon Hayward, probably, I would expect him to play. Marcus Smart, I would expect him not to, like you said. And, uh, maybe another day or two, a game or two for him as he tries to get his conditioning back. Um, but without all of those players, uh, for the Raptors, uh, and the Celtics kind of on an upswing, you just have, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown really fully realizing, uh, what they can be and what they can do. They're not only scoring, uh, like Tatum did in the, um, in, in this last game, but defending and passing and really playing so well that Kemba Walker can basically take a fourth quarter off and the Celtics can turn a close game into a blowout. It's kind of wild. Uh, but, but the Celtics are not constructed in a way where they could be lazy and have all of that still play out. Like that's, they're not the warriors of a couple years ago. You know, they, like they are good because when they play together, Everybody, the collective powers of this team are better than each guy kind of going off in his own individual half-cocked forays. Um, you can't have a bunch of ISO play and, and expect to win. And even, even when the Raptors are throwing, you know, Chris Boucher and Terrence Davis and Malcolm Miller out there, like they're still NBA players. And they just, even though Lowry was the guy that kind of made that run happen, they were just part of a 30-point comeback against a, a a Mavs team that built a huge lead. I mean, they they were hmm. good enough to build that huge lead. So, um, and a Mavs team that just beat the Bucks without Luka Doncic, and 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 that made things tough for the Celtics. Um, so, yeah, on paper, this looks like something that. The Celtics should win. Um, but having seen these guys and have seen them kind of feel too good about themselves, you know, I can also see a situation where they come out and think, Hey man, look at what we just did. Look how awesome I am, Jason Tatum 
and look, I can go and, and take all of my step backs without having to do all of the things first that make these step backs effective. Um, I'm Jalen Brown, and I'm, it's my turn now. I, I want to go and, and, and be the star. It's, you know, you had your 39-point game. Let me go and get, try to get mine, you know, pad my stats a little bit and get my average up. If that happens, then the Celtics end up down double digits in the first quarter, like in a hurry. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. Yeah, I. I, I'm not terrified if I'm a Raptors fan of this Celtics team just because we've seen like they're always very good competitive games when these two teams play. Um, and I would expect something close to that on Christmas just because of the way the Raptors play defense and because of how wacky they get, right? But of all the teams that you could throw your sort of janky defenses where you're sort of sending extra help towards the ball and you're, you're, you're sort of opening yourself up around the floor, the Celtics do seem like one of the teams that can really beat the, that defense pretty easily yeah. just because of the number of guys on the floor who are able to put the ball on the deck and are able to make decisions and sort of run the offense. And, you know, it's not like it's one singular star where hovering around them is just like four nothings who can't make a play. This isn't like a Damian Lillard situation or something like that. This is, you know, and that's not, not fair to CJ McCollum, but the Raptors did a <laughs> job against the, 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 the Blazers earlier this year. That's why the example uh, came to the top of mind. The Celtics just have a lot of guys who can make plays. And if you're going to send extra help towards Kemba Walker, you're opening yourself up to get killed by Jason Tatum or by Jalen Brown. And that is not a recipe for success. And, and I think the reason the Raptors have been so good in those sort of, you know, weird half-baked defenses is that they've done it in the, in the right situations against teams where it doesn't kill you. And, and against in the few instances where they haven't done that, it's been against like the Clippers and they got killed. So I, I don't necessarily foresee this being a game where those sort of weird defenses that the Raptors use to beat the Mavericks are going to be really all that effective. Um, can you speak maybe to more of how the Celtics typically kind of deal with, with, you know, extra defensive attention and stuff like that? Like, like the, the, this, they're a team that's built to, you know, survive that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they have been good. Like at their best, they, they do make what it's the next right play. Brad Stevens emphasizes that so often. Um, and, and one element that, could really facilitate that is the return of Gordon Hayward because that is kind of what Gordon Hayward does that mm-hmm. he is he's one of the team's best passers he and and Marcus Smart might be the two best passers on the team mm-hmm. so getting him into that uh getting him into that game is is going to help just add another element where if if you blitz Kemba Walker then you'll have the potential for Jason Tatum going off for 39 points or Jalen Brown hitting a few threes or you get Gordon Hayward backdoor cutting. I mean, when you look at the type of defense that you're talking about, the backdoor cuts are going to be really what open themselves up. And um, I think Gordon Hayward might be the best cutter on the team. He and mm-hmm. he and Kemba Walker both excellent at reading and cutting. And so if they're playing off of one another and if they're playing, if, if, if Brad Stevens staggers 
Kemba and say Jalen Brown and Tatum and um, Hayward, then at all times you'll have two guys on the floor that can play off of one another and one can pass to the cutter and, and so on and so forth. So um, mm. the added attention on one particular guy, like you can, like you said, you can blitz uh, a Damian Lillard and take the ball out of his hands. But the Celtics do have now, uh, they have, they could potentially have three all-stars. I don't think mm. it's out of the question to say that Kemba, Jalen and Jason could all be all-stars this year. Um, they're all averaging over 20 points a game or, or I, I'm going to look at Jalen's. Um, he's, he was, but then he might have dropped off a little bit, but still point is that he's, he's been having an all-star kind of level season. If you really want to go after one guy and, uh, take the ball out of his hands, there are other guys. And, and without Gasol there, especially mm-hmm. without Gasol there, that really opens things up because now there's that one advantage that you had where the Celtics kind of, you, you throw Daniel Tice out there and Gasol eats up Daniel Tice, but so that means you have to throw Ennis Cantor out there. If Cantor can even make the trip, like, mm-hmm. That, that's the other issue. Can Cantor make this trip? And if the, if he can't, then you're either going small with Grant Williams and Shemi Ojale at the five, or you throw Taco Fall in, in there. And as much as he's like a big sensation in Boston, he's, he's not NBA ready quite mm-hmm. yet. So, uh, but without Gasol there, well, now you can go small. And so that takes away an extra element defensively. You, you can throw out, out, um, a guy like Grant Williams. And, and still be okay. So, yeah, I mean, the things that have worked for the Raptors, I think the Celtics are built, uh, especially as they get healthier, they are built to kind of make, make you pay. Yeah, and it's not terribly surprising either, right? Like, the way the Raptors defend, you know, I think the guys who have been the best in those weird sort of high school-like defenses have been guys who are just, like, you know, bursting with energy and who are sort of all over the place, and they kind of make up a lot of ground, and they, you know, are cool with scrambling, whereas I think, you know, playing up just, like, straight up, like, they're probably going to have to against the Celtics, you know, those guys, again, little balls of energy. There's a little bit too much in the way of fouling, aggression, you know, fouling jump shooters and stuff like that. Um, so I think that's absolutely going to be tested in this one for sure. Another one I have for you, John, is so people, I think, coming into the year, and I believe I coming into the year when we did our chat about the Celtics and Raptors ahead of the season, I was very skeptical that the Celtics were going to be able to defend at anywhere near like a top 10 level. They're number four defense right now, a a tenth of a point behind the Raptors in terms of overall defensive rating. They've been excellent on that end, despite not really having a traditional rim-protecting center, having guys in like Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker, who coming into the season might have had reputations as being minus defenders or at least, you know, nowhere above average. That's kind of been proven wrong. What have the Celtics been doing defensively to sort of drum up this incredible efficiency they've had on that end. And how do you think that's going to apply to a Raptors team that is very much just like Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, pick and roll centric right now. And, you know, they ran a lot of like one, two pick and rolls with Kyle and Terrence Davis in that Dallas comeback as well. And, you know, it's just, it's mostly all flowing from Kyle. How does the Celtics defense sort of uh, work around that? Well, the, the Celtics defense, Playing their best is a connected kind of swarming, uh, take advantage of their length 
at the wing kind of defense. So Tatum is a big part of why the Celtics are successful because he's long and he can anticipate passes. And on the backside of a defense, he will, in every game, get at least one tip that may result in a fast break, uh, a, a breakout dunk. He's mm-hmm. had that um, just about every game. Uh, and and Jalen Brown, the same thing. What, what they do is uh, the continuity with Daniel Tice makes up for the lack of that big shot blocker, that big guy, like – or even like Aaron Baines, who wasn't a huge shot blocker, but he went vertical and and contested at the rim like nobody else. Um, Tice, having played under uh, Baines and Al Horford, has has learned a lot of what the Celtics are trying to do and, and what coverages they're trying to play. And so he's able to quarterback the defense pretty well. Um, the Celtics, when you know they they help, they rotate, they know how to kind of recover and, and where they should be on the floor. And I'd say in the NBA, the advantage that the offense gets is when they can take advantage of confusion. Like the whole point of these defenses is of these offenses is to create some level of confusion to say, all right, you have to make a decision and you're going to have to live with that decision. The Celtics best defense is that's fine. I'm going to make this decision and commit to it because I know behind me, Someone else is going to help me out and rotate over. And mm-hmm. the Celtics in rotation are is not as bad as like when you talk about putting another team in rotation and everybody's flying everywhere. When this the Celtics can fall into those traps for sure, but when they're really, really playing well, everything's connected. Um, guys are under control and they they kind of almost bait teams into making passes, making plays that kind of go into the teeth of what they're trying to do. So mm-hmm. that and again, that's why that's why Tatum is so dangerous because those passing lanes seem open and because he's got these super long arms, he can kind of be a little bit outside of a, a player's periphery and understand like if they funnel Kyle Lowry this way and this guy likes to go this way, I'm going to hang just a little bit back and invite that pass, and then I know when to break and get into that passing lane and get a tip, or or at least recover in time to to not make that an open three. So that's that's the best part. It's they don't have a natural rim protector, but they they protect the rim by preventing players from even getting there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a daunting defense to be sure. And it kind of, in, in a lot of ways you described there, sort of mirrors what the Raptors have done at their best this season. And they kind of got tired playing that style of defense that seemed. They had a bit of a lull there. And up against some really good teams, they their rotations were less crisp and less on, on the nose. And that resulted in many, many open threes and all the stuff you don't like. And I, do the Celtics ever get tired playing that? Do you ever get that impression? Do you ever <laughs> just the, the idea that maybe they're just getting burnt out playing such a, a defense that requires so much in the way of constantly knowing where you're going next and what the next rotation is and what the next move is. And as opposed to just like a typical straight up one on one defense where, yeah, maybe the ceiling of that kind of defense is a lot lower, but just like the mental, 
like stamina it takes to play it is not quite as uh, as high uh, as sort of as it is to play such a like a scrambling style of defense that the Celtics have done so well. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. If you took the Celtics' top minutes getter, Jason Tatum, mm-hmm. uh, he would be fourth in minutes on the Raptors. So that's a good point. <laughs> so he would be. He's getting, and this is this is part of the Brad Stevens. Like he really is trying like hell to keep these minutes down. Like Tatum's at the 34 minute mark. Jalen 33. Kemba Walker's playing 32 minutes a game. Um, Kemba Walker last year averaged uh, 30 35, and so he his career average is 34. So his even his minutes are down by a couple. And it, he's just trying to keep these guys fresh, and he rotates in like Brad Wanamaker. You throw in Shemi Ojale, Grant Williams. Uh, even we saw Romeo Langford get 23 minutes. If a guy off the bench is being effective, then he'll get plenty of time. And and there are times where I, Celtics fans will sit there and say, uh, "Hey, this would be a great time to get Kimba back in." <laughs> and 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 Brad's like, you know, sticking to his plan because he understands that. It's, it's a, a marathon. It's, it's a, it's a grind and he's just not going to put that, uh, that burden on his players no matter what. Like he's just going to, like Javante Green is going to get minutes, uh, mm-hmm. and, and they're going to try to steal minutes with different players. Whatever the matchup is, he, they're going to try to do that. So a, a team like the Raptors, doesn't have that, especially not with, with the injuries. You have to play Kyle Lowry 38 minutes a game. But mm. there's what happens there is you take plays off defensively because you are tired. So um, I, I think it may be frustrating to some Celtics fans, but the, the minutes thing that Brad, that plan, it, it, it kind of works. And it, while the Celtics are in there, they do a pretty good job. They haven't done a great job defending the three-point line. Um, mm-hmm. They have had in some games where a, a three-point shooter goes off. Devontae Graham was going off in the first quarter, and the Celtics finally clamped down on him. But um, there, if there is one one thing that the Celtics might do a little too much, they, they, they do sometimes have a tendency, especially when it's not the starters, um, when some bench units, they have a tendency to overhelp and mm-hmm. get caught a little too deep. So there may be drive and kick opportunities for Lowry to find shooters in the corner uh, if somebody can go knock those down. Yeah, the only problem is uh, these days that open shooter is like Patrick McCaw. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I feel like I've given off the uh, very clear impression that I don't think the Raptors are going to win this game. <laughs> uh, as much as I would like it, as much as that would be cool, I just kind of think the way the talent stacks up, uh, you know, as inspiring as these Raptors have been while going through all these injuries and as much as I – believe in Kyle Lowry's ability to carry a team to respectability regardless of who's on the floor. It just seems a little bit daunting against the team. Like you mentioned, the Celtics that manages their minutes well, they constantly have energy. Um, I think Kyle Lowry's probably going to see a lot of extra bodies just because why wouldn't you? I mean, the Mavs tried and they failed, but um, the Celtics seem to be a little bit more disciplined and sort of accustomed to playing that kind of defense. So, I mean, what's going to yeah. happen when Kyle Lowry goes off the floor? 
I mean, they've been doing a good job of just staggering Kyle and Fred um, and making sure one of them's on the floor at all times. It's not terribly wonderful to watch with Fred being the lone guy out there, but he's been good enough this season running all bench lineups or lineups without Kyle that I think he's, you know, he's much, I'm much more comfortable and confident in him doing that than I have been in the past. You know, in the past, that was a recipe for disaster. This year, not so much. You know, you're going to find stretches where the Raptors go four or five minutes where they don't generate anything off on offense. This is what happened for most of the game against the Mavericks until they came back. The the half-court offense just fizzled out. There wasn't anything that they could do. They Without Pascal and Norman Powell, who is, you know, one of their best off-the-bounce guys, there's not really anyone who can break down a defense in sort of the traditional way like Kyle has been pretty good with it and he he, he's got this sort of new bag of hesitation dribbles and stuff like that that he's using I think to overcome his lack of burst and it's worked pretty well and it did damn well in the in the win over Dallas but I, I think with the way the Celtics play defense and their switchability like if you switch against the Raptors there's not much they can do at this point just because there's there's just like nothing like there's no there's no ability to sort of generate space or, or generate any sort of uh, penetration and stuff like that unless they're running that pick and roll and, you know, teams are, you know, getting yeah. bamboozled by it. Well, oh, that's a word I haven't used in a long time. <laughs> I don't I don't need that's not even in my vocabulary. I have no idea why that this came out, but it's it's going to be a tough slog, I think, for the Raptors. This could be a very ugly game. I could see this being an extremely low-scoring game uh, that you know gets people good and mad about ratings and stuff like that because people love to talk about ratings. <laughs> and people will be like, well, the ratings obviously are down because this one game was 87-84. Uh, therefore, the basketball's bad now or something like that. Um, but I think there will be like a weird charm to it in that like the Raptors <laughs> be as desperate as possible. I just don't think they're going to have enough juice in the at the end to to do it. But hey, they I didn't think they had the juice to make a thirty point comeback against Dallas either. Um, so who knows? That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Winning at home would be cool. I, I would be I'd be in on that. It'd be fun to watch. But I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, John, most important question for you. This is not at all related to the, the game on the floor. Of all the players in the Celtics, which, first of all, good on the NBA for getting a red and green matchup for Christmas. It's nice. I look forward to watching it aesthetically. Pretty nice, I yeah. I hope they go red on green jerseys. That seems like the only way to do it. I know that's probably a problem for people who are colorblind, but um, that's I think true. I, re- that's I recall true. like a Bills-Jets game. There was a that football game, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think uh, red on green is kind of what has to happen tomorrow. They're going to screw it up and play like black jerseys and white jerseys. Oh, it's going to be like throwback Raptors night. Yeah, it's going to be stupid. I'm sure it is. With the Celtics jerseys that look like they got puked on by the Dropkick Murphys. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And uh, so, but other than that, my my main question is, on this festive day, which Celtics player would you describe as the most festive? Ooh. Like, who, who, when you look at him, just... You know, just sort of has that festive glow to him. Who is the most one with the season? Uh, probably Grant Williams. Okay. Uh, Grant Williams is a self-proclaimed goofball. He is, he is really one of the most likable people I've ever met. He's <laughs> just, he, the only word I, I keep using this word. It's the best word that I could, I could come up with. He's adorable. He's <laughs> just, he's like, I wish I had a daughter to introduce to Grant Williams. Like, he's the type of guy, like, yes, please, marry my daughter. Like, that's, <laughs> please, I, I'm going to hook you guys up. Go, be married. Uh, that, he, in, 
he, the best way I could put this is with, with the holiday season, um, recently, not as a Christmas gift, but he recently learned how to make candles. He went to a place that taught you learn how to make a candle and he made a few, he bought a bunch and made a few and, and handed them out to all of the Celtics staff, went to the Celtics offices and got everybody little candles to just saying, Hey, let's have a great season. He gave, he gave one to like Danny Ainge. He gave one to everybody. <laughs> um, so he's like the one guy who is just always happy, very willing to do like to, to, I think do all those silly holiday things. Like it's the best way I could put it. I mean, Kemba Walker just bought everybody at Xbox, like literally bought everybody at Xbox one, but um, hmm. I'm, I'm going to go with Grant because he's just adorably goofy. Yeah. We've talked a lot about him already, but I think Kyle Lowry is the most festive player on the Raptors. Sure. Um, he does a thing called Lowry's holiday assist every year where him and his family give out meals to the less fortunate. Uh, he, nice. he has that big milk and cookies, butt. <laughs> uh, definitely likes himself a milk and a cookie. He, after the game against the Mavericks, and apologies for only talking about the Mavericks game because I'm recording this. You're hearing this on Tuesday if you're listening on the Raptors feed, but we're not talking about the Pacers game that has not yet happened yet. Um, a little behind the curtain. But in that Mavericks game, you know, Kyle did his thing and was the reason they won the game. And the first thing he did when he was asked about the game was shout out Malcolm Miller, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Terrence Davis, and uh, Chris Boucher, which is, uh, you know, he's not putting himself first. He's very Santa-like in that regard. <laughs> I'm basically just saying Kyle Lowry is Santa. And so yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine he'll be a little bit tired on Christmas Day, especially at noon on Christmas Day. That's a, a quick turnaround. Yeah. For, it's for Santa Lowry. Um, <laughs> I think that's a good place to leave it here, man. This was a lot of fun. I uh, look forward to Raptor Celtics on Christmas Day and the nap that will follow that when the whatever the next game is on. Uh, although the Sixers and Bucks is a pretty good game, but two thirty is kind of my kind of my afternoon nap zone after I drink too much in the morning. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. But man, this was a lot of fun, and I uh, hope you have a lovely holiday. Sean is the best. I love Sean. Uh, at Woodley Sean, so it's at W O O D L E Y S E A N. Woodley Sean of Locked On Raptors. If you want anything Raptors, check him out on the Locked On Raptors podcast. Uh, it's a good listen. He's a good dude. Uh, fun to talk to. Knows what he's talking about. It's great. So go ahead and check him out. Read all of his stuff. It's great stuff. I want to thank all of you for listening. Again, I'm not 100% sure about this week's plan. Uh, I've got family obligations over the next couple of days, but the Celtics do play, and so and they do have a practice. So there will be something coming out of Tuesday. If I can't find the time to go talk about it, uh, I will at least write about it, or Tom will write about it on masslive.com slash Celtics. So go ahead and follow us there. Uh, all of you regular listeners, please give that five-star rating, that good written review, and please share the podcast. Give me a Christmas gift. I don't ask for much except for tacos when I mention you on the podcast. I want my damn taco. But I do ask for a gift of sharing the podcast. If you have an opportunity when people talk to you about a podcast, and you say, hey, 
I know what you should listen to. Tell people they should listen to the Locked On Celtics podcast. And we're here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.